0: Hi, welcome back if you've been here before and if you're new here it's it's lovely to meet you and I hope that you can stay, you know. I know that, you know, having anxiety can feel really isolating, um, almost as if you're the only person dealing with, you know, your symptoms and your feelings. Um, I know that feeling because I've been there, and I'm I'm still there a lot of the times. But I think there's something reassuring about knowing that you're not the only one who's dealing or going through, you know, the madness of anxiety, um, and that's very reassuring. So I hope that this. Podcasts, this space is one which is safe for you to feel understood, validated, and to hopefully learn something new. So I hope that helps. But um, what I really wanted to talk about today is how therapy can actually work in different contexts. Um, The usual model of therapy is, you know, in person sessions where you know, you as the patient may go out into a uh, primary care service or um, a specific location where you meet up with your therapist. Um, so that's the model that we're used to. However, there are other, other ways in which therapy can be carried out. Um, and that's what I want to chat about with you today. So, to give you a bit of context, um, I'll use me as an example. So in the past, I have always had issues with attending my therapy sessions. And I think a lot of that was due to barriers that I, that I was facing personally. One of those barriers was kind of the stigma attached to actually being seen going into a, uh, into a primary care mental health service. Um, You know, I lived in a very like small community where a lot of people knew each other and there was always that kind of embarrassment and shame about being seen, you know, going in and going in and using these services. So that was one issue that I found um, when it came to my attendance with... Going to an actual therapy session and being consistent, um, the other thing that I found quite challenging was just my own social anxiety and kind of the having to overcome the fear of just leaving my house, which can be really difficult when you're having you know a random flare up of of anxiety, nervousness, and stress. So for me, I could never predict when I was going to feel anxious or uh, or I was going to experience a heightened level of anxiety. I couldn't predict that. However, my therapy sessions were ones which I could predict and which were very much consistent. So it was very hard to um attend therapy sessions when dealing with something so unpredictable like anxiety, you know. Um, So that was another barrier, just kind of having to attend these very consistent sessions when my anxiety in itself um, has never been very uh, consistent, you know? So those are the two barriers that I faced and made it very difficult to attend consistently my therapy sessions. But then I realized something actually changed and I was able to, I think for the third time, um, sign up again for regular therapy sessions. And this was actually during the pandemic. So I would say that it was kind of a gift in a way, because um, as you know, everything was on um, video call. You know, if you've noticed, um, we moved from the physical space where we would socialize, meet up, to kind of relying on um, video calls, Skype, Zoom. And I found this kind of like a safe haven for me because, um, you know, that was how I was carrying out my my therapy sessions. It was on um, video call. And this felt very safe for me because I was able to challenge my anxiety, um, challenge kind of like the, just, just challenge my own kind of problems in a safe space, in the comfort of my own home. And I found that I was able to always attend my sessions, um... On top of the fact that I had a great therapist, you know. So it got me thinking about, you know, why isn't um, other forms of therapy or or other mediums of therapy, such as video calls or video conferencing, why isn't that the norm in, in how we carry out our therapy sessions, you know. So, for me personally, I will say that I had a hybrid of therapy sessions. Um, So, I had a mixture of video call um, therapy sessions and in-person sessions. And during the in-person sessions, this was where we would do the exposure type of activities, you know, such as going into a busy mall or a shopping centre, or, um, yeah, a busy train session, uh, train station, I meant to say, silly me. Um, so things like that was where I actually had to leave my house. Um, but that was okay because I found that the mixture of the, of the two um, meant that during those difficult times where my anxiety was flaring up, I could still rely on video calls and attend in the comfort of my home. But then when I was feeling great and I felt like I was handling my anxiety, you know, I could attend in person and do the more difficult, challenging parts of, of the therapy sessions. So I found that quite successful and I wanted to look into like the research, you know, um, how successful is it for other people or on a more global impact? And what I found is that um, video conferencing or in other terms, telemedicine, which includes um, any therapy which is carried out through the means of technology. So that could be by by phone, by video call um or even without, um, without an actual therapist through like interactive online activities can be very helpful for treating anxiety or treating any kind of mental illness as much as um, other types of, or other mediums in which we carry out therapy, such as in-person. Um, so um, at the moment... Um there are other there are other types of health uh difficulties such as diabetes um heart disease um, where these types of patients are able to seek um telemedicine or seek out um, treatment that isn't necessarily in person. Um, and also currently, if you think about it now, um, with certain demographics, for example, the elderly who may be um, who may be facing barriers to actually attending a GP service or a doctor, um, they have the option to receive telemedicine, which is, you know, um, speaking to their doctor online on the phone. So there is the option there for for people who are experiencing physical challenges. However, those who are experiencing mental difficulties, telemedicine hasn't always been very prevalent, you know. So I was looking at some research and I found a study where um, the researchers looked at, um, it was a a collection of research, which is also known as a systematic review. So they looked at these different research on the topic of uh, video calls and video conferencing for mental health. And what they found is that there is actually um, a benefit to to, um, telemedicine on treating, um, different anxiety disorders, including panic, social anxiety, agoraphobia. And they actually looked at, I believe, 21 different studies. Um, and they found that it can be helpful for many people who are going through anxiety, um, It can help bridge the gap for people who may be facing barriers that prevent them from seeking physical therapy. Um, However, what they also found was that there wasn't much difference between um, uh, telemedicine or, in other words, video conferencing versus in-person therapy sessions. In terms of success rates, so both were generally um, equal in terms of how successful they were in helping people. However, one of the great things about the research was that um, you know there is that option there. You know there there is a variety of options there for people who may benefit from you know, video conferencing or who may not be ready to attend in-person sessions. And I think it's important when we are, you know, trying to help people overcome their mental health difficulties is that we are catering to a wide selection of people. Um, You know, we're catering to people where you know therapy may not be or traditional therapy may not be easily accessible, so I think it's a great thing that you know there is that option there. However, I think more research needs to look at um uh certain demographics which are underrepresented in in these types of researches, and that's usually the elderly and um uh like the very young so pediatric uh patients usually the elderly tend to be excluded in a lot of um mental health research and also treatment so there could be greater focus on how video conferencing may benefit different types of groups um also, perhaps, like, the cost and how uh, how cost-efficient it is to carry out video conferencing. Um, you know, how will that affect different mental health services? So, further research needs to be done. And, you know, how realistic can it be implemented? Um, is it something that will be easy to implement or not? So, I would say another challenge with carrying out video call sessions is that technology can be quite unpredictable. Now, if you think about it, we've all been in situations where we've used Zoom or Skype um, and we've had problems with our sound, Or we've had issues where for some reason our computer is slow and the screen freezes or our internet is acting up and, you know, you know, everything is just slow or freezes or isn't working, you know, that's very much normal with technology. And those issues that we have there can definitely be a problem when we're carrying out Um, online therapy sessions where it actually really matters and those those issues become very frustrating or they kind of disturb the flow of the therapy session. So I would say that's another big challenge. Um, I remember when I was working with my therapist and we were having an online session and, you know, she was having issues where where, um, the system she was using was very slow. So when she had to, you know, get up a questionnaire that I had to complete, you know, that would take forever. And that those little things really disturb the flow of the therapy session. Um, and also it can eat up, um, valuable time. So that could be another challenge with, um, online video therapy sessions. And those are things that need to be kind of ironed out. So, you know, um, they can hopefully be successful in the future or implemented successfully in the future. Um, Another thing I would say is that not everyone is technology savvy, you know? Um, Especially if, you know, we're, we're dealing with certain demographics who may not um, have easy access to a laptop, a computer, um, or a phone. That may make carrying out online video therapy sessions really difficult. So that's another thing to take on board um, in the future, And hopefully making kind of video therapy sessions accessible to all. Also, another slight disadvantage of um, the systematic review was that it looked at patients who had anxiety as a secondary symptom. So they may have been having other physical health problems. Um, and then anxiety may have been one of the side effects or symptoms of their health problems. So a lot of the current research um, doesn't hasn't focused specifically on social anxiety. However, the research is quite promising, um, and maybe more, more research is needed to look at uh, patients who are um, dealing with social anxiety specifically and only, and until then, then we will know how truly successful um, video video therapy is for social anxiety alone. So I know it seems that I may be hyper focused on all the negative qualities um, of this systematic review. The research doesn't lie, and in fact, video-based therapies do benefit all and not the few. So regardless of whether you are young, old, um, you're a woman or you're a man or non-binary, video-based therapies do have a positive effect on um, improving anxiety symptoms. And just to be very specific um the the review which i looked at um analyzed 21 studies so 21 different um research on this topic um and i think i've mentioned this before and what they found was that out of those 21 studies 14 of the studies had shown a statistically significant improvement on um anxiety measures when video conferencing therapy was involved. So this shows that, you know, having those various options there in terms of how we carry out therapy means that we're catering to the majority and not the few. And if you think about it, I think 60% of um, anxiety sufferers do not seek treatment because of various different barriers. So if we can work to um, eradicate as many barriers as we can, and if um, geography or challenges with attending sessions being one of those barriers that we remove, then I think we are we are going a long way to making sure that therapy is accessible for everyone, and that you know people who may traditionally not seek out therapy have this new alternative um, version that appeals to them. So I think it's a step forward in um, how we treat anxiety and more specifically social anxiety. And I'm hoping that it becomes um, an option that is easily accessible for for people, um, for people who need treatment. So that is my thoughts on this topic, and also there's been, you know, a presentation of, you know, a very general research. Um, I'm sure there's many different research on this topic, which I haven't really gone into detail into. Um, hopefully it may inspire you to go out and look into this topic a bit more, or, um maybe you've also had experience experiences yourself where you've had video-based therapies and you know maybe it's been useful for you um in terms of your recovery with anxiety or maybe you found it hasn't been um that would be an interesting interesting conversation to have um but as for now um I'm going to call it a day and I hope to speak with you all next time and I hope you have a lovely day.